In the hectic and busy times that we live in, we don't always have time to stop and reflect on how to declutter and simplify our lives so we can focus on what really matters. I, for one, am glad. Living simply is unhealthy and unnecessary. If you gave away the things you don't use to the poor and stopped watching so much TV and wasting time on the Internet and stopped text messaging and started reading the Bible, do you know what you'd have? An empty house, a lonely TV, no idea what's happening on your favorite blog, and friends that don't know if you lol at the picture message they just sent you. Sure, you'd have the clarity and focus that come with more time spent in the Word of God and less time spent in the world, but is that really a life you want to live? These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. My dear people, word has gotten back to us in London about this series you're doing about myself. Keep it simple, Sherlock. And I thought I'd better come investigate for myself. You didn't know Sherlock was a 49er fan too, did you? thought while I was here to investigate what happened to this Super Bowl bound team that they've gone down the toilet. I wanted to find out what's happened. What's happening over here? But while I was here, I decided I would visit your church and do a little investigating. What is this keep it simple Sherlock series? No one called me and asked my permission. I thought I'd check it out. And you know, I've deducted a few things about this church. First, You people must have a lot of love because you're so friendly. Name tags and greeting hugs from strangers. It's a little weird, but you're friendly. I like that. And then this music that you play here in your church service, I've never heard anything like that back in London. And you must have some very dedicated and top quality musicians here. It's elementary. Also, I notice how comfortable your seats are, and I can only come to one conclusion. Your pastors must speak for a very long time. <laughs> Finally, this, uh, this lead pastor guy, what's his name? Gene Simmons, Paul McGovern. <laughs> Not only does he have some communication issues, but uh, see, he's, he's got some unfulfilled childhood fantasies of being a rock star. I, I can see that very clearly, but... Uh, Okay, enough of that. I'm getting hot. (laughs) Well, my name's Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. Just want to have a little fun this morning. Hope you guys are awake. A little laughter's good for you, right? I'm sweating. Sorry, excuse me. So we're in this series, and uh, today we're talking about the topic of keep it simple and uh, simplifying your space. And so I want you to take out your outline. There's a place there where you can follow along and take some notes. And, uh, you know, taking notes really helps you not only to pay attention and stay awake, but it really engages your mind. It gives you something you can look at when you go home. You can review this message. And I think there'll be something here for everyone. And in this series, you know, obviously we don't really agree with the deep thoughts from the shallow Christian, right? But he really hit the nail on the head with something he said at the beginning of that little uh, dialogue that he had. He said, how we don't, he said, we don't have time to stop and reflect on how we could simplify our lives so we can focus on what really matters. We don't have time to stop and think about how we can simplify our lives so we can focus on what really matters. Most of us are living very distracted, cluttered, crowded lives in all areas of our lives. And today we want to talk about your space. We want to help you think about how could you simplify your life so that you can focus a little better on what really matters. That's the whole purpose of our series. 
So today we're going to be talking about your stuff. The clutter that many of you and I have in our homes. And I know what some of you are thinking. You didn't know I could read minds. I know right now what some of you are thinking. Hey, it's one thing when I go to church and they talk about my money. It's another thing when they talk about my time. But don't mess with my stuff. Don't mess with my stuff and my housekeeping skills and all the stuff we have laying around. Don't mess with that. But that's okay. I struggle with this. You struggle with this. And I'm here to help you today. You know, how does clutter happen? You know, my wife and I, Jennifer, we grew, up in a, we grew up in a families that came from families that just didn't have very much. Our grandparents grew up in the Depression, some tough years, and my parents didn't grow up with a lot. My dad was a church planner. Jennifer's parents were immigrants to this country. They struggled to get their feet on the ground and worried about making it and didn't want to lose what they had. And so we grew up with moms and dads that held on to everything because you might need it one day. Is there anybody else here like that? You might need it, right? And so you save a bunch of stuff. You don't even know what you have. And I know some of you have gone to the store and you bought something and then later you found out you had it. But you didn't know because it was buried under some other stuff, right? And that's called clutter, your stuff. And it just takes over. But we think we're being good stewards if we hold on to stuff. We want to be good managers of the money and resources God's given us. So if I hold on to this $5 item, I won't have to spend $5 later or this $20, whatever it is. I'm going to say I'm being a good steward, but it's going to rob you in other areas of your life. Some of you, you're holding on to a book that you bought that you intended to read 20 years ago, right? Some of you, some of you aren't that old. Maybe it was just 20 months ago, but you've got a book lying around you intended to read. Or you got some shoes you bought for just that special occasion, They don't even fit anymore, but they're still in your closet because you're going to get back in them one day. And you might have made a mistake. The reality is you might have made a mistake buying those things, but it's painful to even think about letting go of them. And scientifically, this is true. They've done studies. They hooked people up, little things on their heads, took them up to an MRI, and they did a study. And when people let go of some of their possessions... The part of the brain that lit up is the same part that lights up like when you stub your toe or drink coffee that's too hot. There's an area in your brain that processes pain, and you experience some emotional, real pain, real physical pain, letting some of your things go. We get attached to things. In fact, just touching things gives you an emotional attachment. Apple is an expert at this. How many of you have ever been to an Apple store? Raise your hand. Pretty cool, right? Have you ever thought of it? It's pretty amazing. You can handle everything in there, can't you? They want you to touch it and play with it. Because scientifically, the longer you touch something, the more you feel an attachment to it, the more you feel ownership, the more you're willing to pay their outrageous prices, right? You'll stand in line. You've touched their stuff. You want more. You'll stand in line. You'll camp out to get the latest gadget. They know. Scientists did a study. They, they did a little study. They, uh, they, they let everybody handle these very special mugs. You know, some people collect mugs, and they let them handle these mugs. Some of them, they let them handle, you know, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, night, different amounts of time. The longer that people were allowed to handle the different mugs, the more they were willing. Then they had a real auction. The more they were willing to pay for the mugs. So the longer, the more attachment they developed, the more they were willing to pay. That's why when you go down and test drive a new car, they will let you get into a $50,000 car and ride around because they know when you get in that car, you're going, hmm, this is nice. This feels good. Look at those carpets. I can't see the carpets in my car. (laughs) 
They know if they can get you attached to it, you'll spend money and you get emotionally attached to things. It's hard for most of us to let go of stuff, stuff that we paid good money for. And you say, well, that's all good and true, but what's the big deal? Why does God really care about that? What what does this have to do with my spiritual life? We know, first of all, God cares about every part of your life. Jesus said he came to bring peace, peace between us and God and with fellow man. He wants us to have peace in our life. He wants us to live productive, happy, wholesome lives. But the fact is clutter is robbing us of so much. 2013 online survey, 87% of American women and 81% of American men said that, that their home organization, the clutter in their home, the dis, all the stuff was stressing them out. Over 80% of men and women is stressing them out. They're not feeling at peace. They're feeling stressed. They're feeling distracted. They're wasting emotional energy. And they found that as the clutter levels rise in our home, so does our stress levels. So take a look at a couple of these pictures. Here's a guy working in his home office. I don't know, how does that make you feel? You feel like sitting down and really focused? Stresses me out. How, look at this garage. There's two kids back there. I know the light's a little. There's two kids back there playing and all that stuff. Man, that garage is packed. I bet they can do some puzzles. But, you know, that's, that stresses me out. And some of you watch that show, you know, Hoarders. Anybody ever seen Hoarders? That's like extreme case of clutters, right? You know why people watch Hoarders? You know why people watch it? Because it makes them feel better about themselves. <laughs> you go, honey, honey, come here. Look at this. Look at this. I'm not that bad. <laughs> look, look at those people, <laughs> right? So you just live with it. 25, I don't know which survey, I saw different statistics from different com- anywhere from 25 to 75% of Americans cannot park a car in their garage. Guilty, anybody else here? Who can't park a car in your garage? All right? And they found that the average garage held 300 to 650 boxes, storage bins, and spillover items from the house. 650, up to 650 things. 23% of adults have paid a bill late in the last year because they couldn't find it. It's all in the stacks of paper. The average American receives almost 50,000 pieces of mail in a lifetime, and a third of it is junk mail. Mine's over half junk, so I feel like a loser. Where's my important stuff, you know? Every, every child that you bring into the home, your new children, in their first five years, they said the average family, the, the number of stuff they have in their house, the number of items increases 30% in each child's first five years, all their toys and gadgets and all that stuff, 30%. Over the last 50 years or so, the average, household, uh, the average family size has decreased to 2.61 persons per home on average, 2.61, while the average home has doubled in size since the 1950s. So our families have gotten smaller, our homes has doubled, but we still don't have enough room for everything. And now one of the fastest growing uh, addiction uh, groups, Clutterers, I can hardly say that, Clutterers Anonymous is a growing 12-step recovery program. And dealing with stress will distract you, it will drain you, it will get you spending a lot of time managing stuff that you're not even using because it's in the way and you want to clean it up and dust around it and organize it. And your brain, you wind up like this guy with all these loose wires and disconnected wires in his head. I don't know if you can see that, but there's so many things distracting him in his life. And it's not just our stuff. 
You can get cluttered on your calendar. We're going to be talking about our time next week. You can get cluttered in all the responsibilities you have, and your brain just gets overwhelmed. You know, the clutter in your physical environment just adds to it. Let me give you an example. Real life example. This week, my wife Jennifer, she made some really good soup. And uh, I made up a little mayonnaise jar that we saved that we didn't throw out because we might need it. I made up a mayonnaise jar, (laughs) put soup in it to bring to work. And as I was making up my soup, she said, don't forget to put the pasta in there. So I got out the container of pasta and added a little pasta and mixed it all up. And I get to the office on uh, Thursday, and my sister Linnea, who works here, we have lunch together once in a while. She's like, Dwayne, you don't want to eat soup today, do you? I didn't bring my lunch. Let's go out to eat. No, no, I got this great soup my wife made. I I even got enough for you. No, Dwayne, you don't want to eat soup. Yeah, I want to eat this soup. Okay. Finally, she gave in. We're getting ready to go over to the little kitchen to warm up the soup. And I open my bag. And what do I have in my bag? I have the container of pasta. (laughs) Stuck the soup back in the fridge. So distracted, right? So you think that's bad. The next day I get up. I think, man, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm going to get my soup. And I got some other stuff I got to keep up with. My shoes are by the door. I know I'm not going to go out the door barefooted. So by my shoes, I put other stuff I need to bring to work. A book I need to return to the office. A DVD. I maybe find a clip for the message. You know, uh, the grocery bag that I used last time I went to the grocery store. I never have those grocery bags. I always leave them in the house. So I, I put them with my shoes. And I'm feeling really good about myself. I got all my stuff there. I'm not going to forget it. And I got my soup in the fridge. I pull into the parking lot. I go to take all my junk into the office. And as soon as I get out of the car, I realize I forgot my soup. It's still in the refrigerator. Man. Cluttered mind. Cluttered mind. Stressed out. Inefficient. Distracted. Sherlock Holmes. He had a way of simplifying things. You know, of getting to the core of what something was about. He, he would say, it's elementary, my dear Watson. Well, Jesus, he had a, a way of cutting through things too. You know, many of you know the story about Mary and Martha. They were two sisters and Jesus and his disciples are coming to visit. And they, just like you and me, when somebody's coming to visit, they start cleaning up the house and cooking food. Well, when Jesus got there, Mary sat down with Jesus and left Martha in the kitchen alone. And Martha got pretty ticked. And she went to Jesus. Jesus, tell my sister to get in here and help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha. And then I want you to look at our key verse for this series right there on your outline. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. You circle that phrase, only one. Ultimately, Jesus bowled it all down to there's only one thing. Jesus is sitting right here in your house. Spend some time with him and with other people. He said there's really, what really matters is your relationship with God. You have time right now to sit down with Jesus and be at his feet and hang out with other people who want to be with him. But you're worrying about the wrong things. Now, Jesus didn't say it's wrong to clean up your house or cook some good food. But you got to have your priorities in order. She was missing it. Jesus simplified things for her. And he simplified it for us. There's only one thing that's really needed. So just to summarize for you, four key areas where we experience the stress of mess that will uh, affect our relationship with Christ and the time we have and how we spend our energy. Number one, wasted focus and productivity. We're distracted. And right now, I've had a busy week. My desk upstairs in my office is covered with stuff. I cannot sit down and work this week until I clean off my desk. It's just too distracting. Things clamoring for my attention. 
It's like having a little kid next to you. Keep, you know, when you're shopping, you ever had a little kid next to you? You're trying to figure out what you're going to buy. Hey, mommy, give me this. Give me this candy, 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 candy. You know, and you're like, oh, I can't, I can't think, you know. Here, have some candy. <laughs> Just distracted, right? So again, these researchers found out, hooked things up to people's brain. The most productive people, the most clear thinking people were people working in a clear clutter free or relatively clutter-free environment. Number two, wasted emotional energy. Stress, uh, I'm sorry, uh, clutter, disorganization, it causes anxiety, it causes stress, it causes embarrassment. You don't want somebody to come in your house and see what a slob you really are, right? And uh, I was surprised, I read this this week, it is a contributing factor to many people's depression. It's one more thing that helps discourage people and they feel overwhelmed and depressed. And then think about all the emotional energy you use every time you move and you got to pack everything up and put it away. And you have to make decisions about stuff over and over again. Do we keep this? Do we throw it away? Do we keep this? Do we give it away? Every decision you make takes a little bit of emotional energy. The more stuff you have, the more energy it's going to take you to manage it. Then number three is wasted money. Wasted money. So there's a lot of great information on the internet about managing your stuff. A lot of good tips. But this is a big, this is a growing business. There's a, an association of professional organizers. And you will pay people a lot of money to come help you figure out what to keep, what to throw away. You can buy a special uh, closet system or garage system. You can invest hundreds and thousands of dollars. And, you know, honestly, I'll come over to your house. You give me a hundred bucks. I'll tell you what to keep and throw away. So I'm not attached to your stuff. I'll save you a lot of money. Get rid of that. Keep that. Okay. So wasting money. You know, one out of 11 people in the U.S. rents storage space during any given year. Almost 10%. So our home size has doubled, but we still don't have enough room. We got to go pay somebody else to store our stuff. We take all time, money, energy. Take all our time. Box it up. Tape it up. Get it in Sterilite containers. Put it in our car. Take it over to the place. Give them our money. Put it in. Unload it turn off the light, lock the door, leave. And a lot of people never see their stuff again. They'll sit there for years for some people, paying the money. And then there's another reality show, Storage Wars. Isn't that what it's called? That's when you finally say, this is stupid. I haven't looked and visited my stuff in 10 years. I'm not paying anymore. Somebody else can have it. And then they come and bid over it sight unseen, hoping they find a treasure. They said that a lot of people are paying 200 bucks a year to store three or $400 worth of stuff. Just crazy, right? We waste money and time and energy. And that's number four, wasted time. Wasted time. Now, obviously, if you're going to manage your stuff, it's going to take a certain amount of time. But if you have too much stuff and it's all disorganized, it's going to take a lot more time. And so how many times have you spent a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon or part of your vacation saying, honey, let's go through our stuff and get organized? How many people have ever spent... Come, Come on, I want... This is church. More honesty. Okay, I see a few hands coming up. Raise your wife or your husband's hand if they're being dishonest. Okay? So you, we've all spent, well, most all of us have spent some time. And, you know, you put off doing things like crafts with the kids or going to the beach or having a friend over because you're busy. You're spending all this time and energy and emotion going through your stuff. And so it affects us. And it wastes the most, time is the most valuable asset you and I have. 
God created you and me. He gave us life. We have to account for how we live for our lives. He's given us this time to use and enjoy and be a blessing to others. And we get so busy wasting part of our time on too much clutter and stuff. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Your body, everything about you, your breath, your life, you belong. Now, he's writing to Christians, followers of Jesus. He said, if you belong to Jesus, you, you're like a temple of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit comes to dwell in you. You belong to him. He lives in you and was given to you by God. Then underline this key phrase. You do not belong to yourself. If you're a follower of Christ, you do not belong to yourself. Jesus paid a great price to buy you back, to buy you back from Satan's influence or sphere. When you sinned and chose to disobey God and your relationship was broken, you didn't belong to God anymore. And so Jesus came and he lived on this earth, a sinless life. God, God, the son as man, somehow as God and man, fully God, fully man. He lived on this earth. He didn't sin. And he went to the cross for your sins and for my sins so that we could be forgiven and restored to a relationship with God. And so Paul says, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. We have to honor God with our body, how we act, how we live, what we do with our time. And so the idea of being a steward is that you manage someone else's stuff. You're a manager. Well, spiritual stewardship there on your outline, our, our, what we take from the Bible is God is the owner and I'm the manager. All that I have, it's not really mine, it's God's. My life is God's. And so I manage it. And I have to, uh, a steward has to give an account. One day the Bible says we're all going to stand before God and give an account for our lives. So here's something I realized is I often hang on to stuff because I might need it one day because I want to be a good steward and I don't want to waste money. But when you hang on to too much stuff, you wind up wasting an even more valuable resource. You waste your time and your energy and your focus. And so we need to simplify. And that's why it matters to God. He wants us to be able to make good use of our time. He wants us to use our time to relax and enjoy life, to be a blessing and serve others, to connect with others. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, one of, as a pastor and just the way God wired me, one of the things I try to do is get people to take steps in their spiritual lives so that they can grow and be more connected to God and more fulfilled and more content. And so I try to urge people to take steps of reading God's word, getting connected in a small group, attending church regularly so that they can grow, finding a place to serve. I think one of the greatest ways you will grow spiritually is when you start serving and using your gifts. But you know how many times people tell me, I don't have time. I don't have time. And maybe it's not just they don't have time. They don't have energy. They don't have focus because they're so distracted and worn out, not just by their busy life, but by all the stuff. It doesn't help when you go home and it's not peaceful and you can't rest. And now you're using your time managing and dusting around all your stuff. And so people just don't have time. In another parable, which we don't have time to look at the whole parable, but a key verse, Jesus said, the seed that fell among the thorns, it was like God's word being scattered by the farmer. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. They hear God's word, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Can you underline that phrase, choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures? So if your life is already too busy at work with all your responsibilities and too busy with your kids and all their responsibilities, and then your home is a mess and distracting you, you're in trouble, and it, gets, it chokes out the life Victoria Moran says, a simple life 
is not seeing how little we can get by with. That's poverty. But how efficiently we can put first things first. When you're clear about your purpose and your priorities, you can painlessly discard whatever does not support these, whether it's cluttering your cabinets or commitments on your calendar. I think this is a great quote, and I'd encourage you to underline that phrase. When you're clear about your purpose and your priorities. When you're clear about what your purpose really is, then it's easier to simplify. It's easier to let go of some stuff. So let's look at one more, one more story that Jesus told. And he's not against wealth. He's not against money. He's against our, our view of it and how we use it. So this situation came up, and so Jesus said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. You underline that phrase, all kinds of greed. Basically, greed is you want more. You're not satisfied with what you have. You want more money. You want more pleasure. You, maybe you're greedy with your time. You don't want to share it. He said, be on your guard. Life does not consist in an, in an abundance of possessions. Again, remember he said it really boils down to the one thing, the relationship with God and with others. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now, most of us, we're not quite as greedy as this guy. But there may be a certain amount of greed in why we're holding on to some of our stuff. Because I don't want to give this up because I don't want to have to spend money later. I want to spend that on other stuff so I can have more stuff in my house. I want to buy more stuff so I don't want to get rid of this. I don't want to waste anything. And this guy, he only thought about himself and his wants and his needs. I, I, I. And then he starts talking about himself in the, you know, talking to himself in the second person. That always worries me a little bit. But he says, you have stored up enough. And the Bible says it's important to save. So you've got to read things in context. The whole Bible, understand it's important to save. It's important to set aside money for your retirement, your life before you die. But this guy, he hadn't focused on his life after he dies. He's only thinking about himself and his life here on this earth. And when you don't think about your life after you die, eternity, your relationship and your responsibility to God, then it's a disaster. And he was neglecting it. He only thought about himself. He had more than he needed. And so he just got bigger and bigger and bigger. Instead of saying, how could I bless someone else? He didn't at one time stop and say, God, what would you want? You blessed me so much, God. Thank you. What could I do to help carry out your purposes in the world? No, he only thought about holding on to what he had. You know, someone said, you can't take it with you when you go to heaven. But rumor is, if you go to hell, you not only take it with you, but you spend eternity sorting, scrubbing, and polishing it. <laughs> Sounds like hell, doesn't it? <laughs> That's what you had to do the rest of your life? So to avoid hell on earth, we need to simplify. So before I talk a little bit about some basic steps you can take, watch this uh, motivational video that kind of illustrates how a lot of us just have too much to really enjoy life. So watch this. Some of us have all that stuff, don't we? Can't keep it simple. Gosh, it becomes a major project just to go to the beach. 
Well, simplify your stuff. Now, a couple things I want to say, you know, accept reality. We're never going to have perfection unless you have severe OCD, okay? It's never going to be a perfectly clutter-free home. But, you know, we need to strive for something that's manageable where we have some peace when we go home. We're not feeling like other things are calling for our attention all the time. So as a family, sit down and make a plan. What are the most important spaces in our home where we create some peace, some spaces that we make clutter-free? And then, you know, start there. And you're going to reap a lot of benefits. It's going to take a little bit of work and a little bit of time up front. But as you do it, it's going to free up more time down the road. You'll have less stress. So you'll have more energy to invest in your relationships. You'll feel more like doing stuff. You'll save money. You'll reduce your embarrassment. Somebody drops by. You don't feel like you've got to hide everything. And you'll have more time for what's really important. The Soap and Detergent Association. Never heard of them before. They said the average time spent cleaning was reduced 40% after decluttering. Had less stuff to clean and dust around and move. So you got more time. So number one, this is a really great principle, not just for your clutter and stuff, but also for your money. Pray before you pay. Before you buy something. If everything I have is God's, if my money, my time, my life, if it all belongs to God... Then everything I buy is a spiritual decision. So pray before you pay. Ask God, you know, God, is this something I really need? Here's some questions. Why do I want to buy this? Do I really need it? Is it just something I want right now? Can I borrow it? Where will this be stored? That's the question I really care about. I don't really care too much my wife and I, we get along pretty good in most areas. This is the area we butt heads on is, where is it going to be stored? I grew up with the idea that everything has to have a home and it has to return to its home at night. So where will it be stored? Do I have time to use and maintain it? There's a lot of great things you can buy. A lot of gadgets, a lot of things, a lot of great things. You can buy a boat. If you buy a boat, it's not just the money. It's the time to maintain it, to clean it, to store it. You got to think through all that stuff. Nothing wrong with a boat, but do you have the time? And then be very careful. Don't just go shopping. You know, sometimes, especially ladies, you like to just go shopping. You know why? You know how dangerous that is? Is your wife here? Be careful. All right. You have George, the security guy, walk you to your car. Um, Be careful. You know, years ago, the average store had about 1,000 items in it. 1,000 items. Do you know the average mega store today, like Costco or Walmart, they're about six acres. You know how big that is? That's like twice the land that Crossroad is on. Now I know why I'm so tired after I go shopping. It's like six acres. And it's, they're filled with 130,000 items in like a Walmart or a big Target. 130,000 items. All the decisions you got to make about what you're going to buy. Don't just go shopping because they're, they're all set up to get you to buy things on impulse. They put all the cute things and the savory snacks right by the checkout place, right? By the cash register. Don't just go shopping. Say no more often. Set some limits. You know, tell yourself, those of you who still read books, I like a good real book. But those of you who still have books, for every book I buy, I'm not going to buy another book until I read this one and give it to somebody else. I'm going to pass it on. I'm going to start getting rid of some of that stuff. How many DVDs are you going to keep in your house? 
You know, we buy these DVDs, especially because they're on sale or clearance. You get this $5 DVD, you watch it a couple of times. How often do you ever watch it again? Almost never. And so you got, you're storing all this stuff. So limit. How many DVDs will I allow myself to have in the house? How many books? Set some limits. Um, U.S. US Americans, we, we have about 3% of the world's children. But we buy 40% of the world's toys. So we have 3% of the children. Before. So we're teaching our kids from a very young age to accumulate a lot of stuff. And that's a battle. And you know who has a harder time about letting go of the kids' toys? The parents, right? So, you know, be careful what you're teaching your kids and what you're getting. Your, remember I said when you own something, you attach value to it. So be careful. And... Do your best to organize and know what you have, especially with food. You know, um, you see something on sale and you buy it, but then you can't eat everything you have in your refrigerator. And how often do you wind going through and throwing stuff out? This is amazing to me. Americans waste $156 billion in food each year. $156 billion. How many people could we feed if we just had a little less clutter in our refrigerator and our pantry? We, th- we get more food than we can eat, and we wind up throwing it out. So that's a big one. Uh, one in and one out. One thing in, something goes out. New shirt, give away one. New pants, give away one. Number two, put stuff away. It's very elementary, right? Very basic. How many of your kids were born naturally putting things away? <laughs> so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to teach my kids right now, because it drives me nuts in, the, we don't, in our living area, and I go to sit down to watch TV, and all I see is all the different stuff on top of the coffee table. It just drives me nuts. And so what I've been doing now, instead of calling them down and making them put it away, I've taken all their stuff, and I put it in their chair at the table, and I put the chair under the table. And then they come down to eat. Seth's like, oh, who put all this stuff in my chair? I'm like, I did. And you don't eat till you put it all away driving me nuts, boy. Put your stuff away. Put it away. The average person spends one year of their life looking for something they misplaced. Now, when I thought about, I have many faults, but I can usually find my stuff, but I live with some people who can't find their stuff, who remain nameless, and we spend a lot of time, we spend a lot of time looking for stuff. My kids can never find their books and on and on. It's just crazy. And when you can't find something, does that put you in a good mood? When you're all running around, you're already late to get to wherever you're going, like worship service or work or school, and you can't find something, man, makes the whole family stressed. I don't even want to think about that. So put stuff away. Don't let papers pile up. Uh, one of my friends has a one-touch rule. They look at it once, it either gets put away or thrown away or recycled or whatever. But that's hard to do, but work on limiting how much stuff you have. Number three, prioritize one area at a time. So I kind of mentioned that earlier. Pick the one key area that will begin to give you some peace. I would say the area where you hang out the most together as a family, like your family room, your living room, your sunroom, whatever it is, or in the kitchen, and keep it cleared up. Make it fun. Listen to loud music while you're clearing up and get organized. I'd encourage you to make, make a playlist of songs like about things like burning down the house. And <laughs> Come on, you've had that fantasy before. Like, it'd be easier if this house just burned down and I could start over. <laughs> Sorry. 
Number four, purge. Purge. Use your excess to bless. Use your excess to bless somebody else. You might be thinking, yeah, I could still wear this. This is still good, but I'm not wearing it a lot right now. And, you know, if I gave it to somebody else, maybe they could use it right now. Maybe I should give it away before it goes out of style. <laughs> in Luke 12, 33, it's not on your outline. Jesus said, sell your possessions and give to those in need. But we have a lot of great places. You don't even have to spend the time to sell it. You can just go to Thrift Town or, or St. Vincent de Paul's or... Goodwill, and you can donate your stuff, and other people will come in and get a great deal of something they can use. The National Associations of Professional Organizers, NAPO, makes me sleepy. 80%, 80% of what we keep, we never use. 80%. They, studied, they said the average person wears 20% of the clothes they own 80% of the time. Hope you guys did laundry this week. 20%. Uh, the clothes they own, 80%. So that means 80% of the clothes you have, you're only wearing like 20% of the time. You're hardly using them. So get rid of stuff. Pass it on to someone else. Um, they said if you're having a hard time getting, letting go of something, put it in a box, put all that stuff in a box, put it in your garage, and put a date on it. And in a year, if you haven't used it, give it away. You know, now, again, it's easy to say, hard to do, but it's, that sounds like great advice. I have a friend... He told me that he helped his in-laws move like seven times. And they were like pretty bad clutter bugs. And so first time he helped them move, they had all these boxes taped up. He wrote his name and date on some of those boxes. He told me this summer, he told me, I've, I've moved some of those boxes seven times. And they're still, the ta- original tape is still on them. Seven times. So purge. So here's your action item. Every Every uh, week in this series, we want to give you some practical step to help you. So here's what we're asking you to do. Go home this week and clean out your closets and your dressers and decide, do I really need, yeah, I wear this once in a while, but do I really need all these clothes? Or is there somebody else who could be blessed by having these? And so there's a couple things you can do with your clothes. First, um, if you're like a uh, smaller size Small, uh, your adult size is like small or medium. Uh, Rick and Lita Sample, they're over here. They work with a church, mainly refugees. There's a church, a people, a people group named the Koran who live in Thailand and Laos and uh, Burma, that area. And they're, they're, a lot of them are Christians. I, I saw some of their uh, villages when I got to visit there, but uh, oftentimes they're persecuted. So some of them have wound up coming here to the United States. But when you come, you don't have a lot of stuff. And so if you have medium or small adult clothes or some nice children's clothes, if you could lay, put those in a bag or box and kind of label them, just put samples on them and bring them next week, then Rick and Lita will come and get them and give them to those people. But maybe you have some other clothes. You could take them to Goodwill this week or American Cancer Society. Some of you could bring your clothes here, but we really don't have a lot of room for a lot of stuff. So intentionally look for stuff we could use for the refugees. Um, and last... Last winter, uh, we collected, some of you remember, we collected winter coats. We said, you know, it's not like it's that really cold here, and a lot of us have a lot of winter coats, right? And this has been a warm winter on top of that. But these refugees, they come from a place that's very warm. So to them, this is really cold. And so you remember some of you brought some, uh, some winter coats? Watch this little one-minute video for, uh, with me, and then I'll, I'll wrap up. That's the most exciting coat giveaway I've ever seen. <laughs> 
252 coats and warm clothing we brought. That's a lot. You guys, you know, went home, found stuff you weren't using, you brought it, now somebody was warm. Maybe you have stuff in your house, could be furniture, could be toys that you can pass on to someone else. So let me encourage you to take that as a starting point so you can get started this week. Now, the last thing I want to say is maybe there's some of you here today and, you know, the stress of your clutter and the stuff in your house is not your biggest problem. Maybe your biggest problem is you're just feeling overwhelmed by life and you don't have a relationship with God and you don't even know if he's real or true or not and you don't have that nailed down in your life. And Jesus said, there's really only one thing that's needed. And I would just say to you, take the time. Take the time to explore and find out what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus. Ask your hard questions. We have a follower of Christ class coming up in two weeks on Saturday, March the 7th at 7 p.m. in the overflow room. You can sign up for that on your communication card. And I'd encourage you to come and check it out and ask your questions. What is it that's holding you back from opening up your life to Christ, beginning to experience his peace and his purpose in your life? Because the world tells you, I mean, the world's just telling you to get more and do more and be more, and it's just overwhelming us. And so if you, the one thing, if you don't have Christ, it's going to be hard to simplify your life. He's the one thing we all desperately need. But let's pray together. God, thank you for all the wonderful blessings you've given us, all of us. The reality is almost every one of us in this room, we have so much. We have plenty to eat. We have plenty to wear. And God, some of us are just so stressed out because our lives are so complicated. And help us to have uh, your guidance and your discipline to take some steps to simplify our lives so that we have more time and energy and focus to put on what's really important. Sometimes removing, just alleviating one area in our life can free up so much energy and, and focus and, and life. And God, I know you, what you care about most, first of all, is our relationship with you. And for anyone here who doesn't know you, they don't have that one thing that's needed nailed down. I pray that you would just draw them to you. Help them to have the courage to ask their questions, to, to seek the answers. And God, I pray you'd show them the truth and that they would fall in love with you and it would simplify everything for them. They'd be free of their guilt. They know why they were created. They know why they're here. And God, for those of us who are following you, some of us are so busy and so distracted, we don't have time for what... You, for what you really made us to do. Help us to get our lives a little simpler so that we can really focus on you and our relationships with others and we can serve and be a blessing. In Christ's name we pray, amen.